getting sober can feel really hard. And even after you start to feel better, you might wonder what's next. Is it all worth it? Why don't we have more stories out there about what people look like when they're living their best lives sober, when they're dealing with life's ups and downs and doing it all without numbing out? On this podcast, you'll hear those stories. This is Sober in the Sunshine. Hey there, it's Jessica. Welcome back to Sober in the Sunshine. Thank you for joining me for episode three. Um, your life pro tip for this week. If you are on Reddit, then you know what a life pro tip is. If not, then don't worry about it. It's our new thing on this podcast, a life pro tip, uh, is to download Sarah Blondin meditations. Um, first, you need to download the app, the free app, Insight Timer. If you've never heard of it, it's incredible. It's a meditation app, but even if you're not into meditation, if you just like soothing music and um, you just need like some relaxation kind of stuff, look at this app. It's incredible how much free content it has. Um, and there are some awesome meditations on there that are really good for people who need a little extra self-compassion and who doesn't need self-compassion, like let's be honest. So her last name is spelled B-L-O-N-D-I-N. Her first name has an H on the end, Sarah Blondin. And please go check out her meditations on Insight Timer because they're awesome. You can just grab an extra or grab 10 minutes in the middle of your day if you can and just go sit by yourself and they might make you cry, but it'll be like in a super cathartic way, not in a sad way. Um, so I hope that helps someone out there. And let's get to my guest this week. This week I interviewed Kirsten. She is a dear friend of mine. We met on the online sobriety group that we're both part of. She was visiting my city and... Um, reached out bravely and asked me if I wanted to go to dinner and I was immediately um, seized with terror because I'm an introvert like I told you and I like really like meeting people and connecting with people but the actual like going out and interacting with people in public is sort of difficult um, but it turns out that Kirsten and I are both like the perfect amount of introvert for each other and she's a great friend so um, this is our chat and I hope you enjoy hearing about how she has just like blossomed into such a good version of herself in sobriety it's a great conversation and let me apologize ahead of time because I totally talk over Kirsten during some of the episode and I know that's super annoying I think I just got really excited to interview my friend so I apologize Kirsten and I apologize listeners but I hope you enjoy our conversation guys Thanks again for being here. Here's Kirsten. Kirsten, welcome to Sober in the Sunshine. Thanks for being here. Hey, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Oh, duh, of course. Um, so we talked about a little bit before we started recording about how I'm not super interested in um, recording a ton about your drinking story because I feel like you have so much stuff to offer about recovery. Um, but of course, this is a podcast about people who have quit drinking. So can you just tell me a little bit about how drinking was making you feel in the end and um, kind of what led you to start thinking about sobriety as an option? I sure can. Um, of course, you know, you know me, I made a little list of things to say. <laughs> <laughs> My bullet list. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, I've listened to so many podcasts and read so many things, right? Like all of us have and all of the stories, but the four stories, um, mine is probably not much different than a lot of people. Um, I didn't start drinking um, with enthusiasm until I was a little bit older. I was a big rule follower, so I waited until, I mean, I had a couple wine coolers in high school, but waited until I was 21 to really, really get going. Um, and then probably, you know, drank like a lot of people. I got divorced when I was 29, um, and that kind of ratcheted it up a little bit because I could do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, and it turned out that drinking mm -hmm. was something I wanted to do. Um, and then my father passed <laughs> away when I was 33, and that was probably, not probably, that was most definitely the worst time of my life so far, and yeah. uh, my drinking ratcheted up again, and I, at the time, I think I really thought it was um, situational, you know, that I was dealing with something, and it would get better, and once I felt better, I would deal with it. Um, but that was right around the first time I ever said out loud that I drank too much. I remember um, after okay. my dad's funeral and telling my sister. My sister and I were driving to the airport, and I said it out loud. And then she dropped me off at the curb, and we didn't talk about it again for, like, 11 years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, as soon as I made the airport, I blurted it out. I said, I need to think about it. I need to do something about it. Um, and then um, what I did about it was continue to do research and continue drinking for about another 11 years. And in that time, I reunited with um, my high school boyfriend, and we got married. And um, probably in about 2015 was when I really, really decided that drinking wasn't working for me anymore. Um, I had changed mm-hmm. jobs, and I've shared a lot with you, I know, but obviously not everybody listening would know a lot of the story. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I drank a lot. I worked in sales, and I drank. I had been single for a long time before we got remarried, or I got remarried, and you know, you drank when you dated, you drank when you went on trips. Um, it was just really a big part of my life. But probably about when 2015, it was not it was not working anymore. Um, and most of the time, it was directed at my husband when it wasn't working, which was awful. Um, so, you know, I had waited 20 years to find him again since high school. And I was unleashing some of my, we called it fire hosing, <laughs> what would happen. So, 2015 was when I really took a look at it and said, this is not working for me anymore. Um, it was, he's not a huge drinker. Um, he probably drank more because of me. Definitely, I was the true mm-hmm. leader for drinking in our house, but um, he he did not like drunk Kirsten. So um, I did, I'm a researcher and I'm a planner, so I did all that I could. I tried to figure out ways to keep drinking. Um, to control it, to moderate it. I read blogs, I read podcasts, or listened to podcasts. I did I did everything. I did everything to try to keep wine in my life. Um, my first attempt at not drinking was October of 2015. That lasted until about January of the following year. Um, I started another attempt in June of 2016 that lasted until October and then November. Um, I had a few experiences in 2016 that led me to believe or convinced me that moderating was not part of my plan. So November of 2016 was my last day one, and here we are now, I think 615 days later. That's so about so, us. Yeah. Um, so, I, so when – sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. When you um, when you did the, the periods from, like, um, no, November 2015 to January 2015, and then like, um, and then you said like another one June to October or something. Were those mm-hmm. periods of trying to moderate, or were those periods of solid sobriety? Those were periods of solid sobriety. But when I stopped drinking, I mean, when I started drinking again, it was with the intent of being able to moderate. So it was okay. In my head, I thought I was taking a break to recalibrate, and then when I would drink again, okay. You know, but as we hear from many people. Um, you know, one of the things I, I so badly wanted to be different from everything that I read about or heard about, but I very quickly was right back to where I had been before. So, right. Yes. But it was also so what was diff- calculated because I'm a planner. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> so what was different about this last time that you quit? Um, I think, well, I mean, a couple of things happened around the time that I quit. Uh, my best friend was diagnosed with breast cancer in August of 2016, and Mm -hmm. I had gone up to help her get ready for chemo in November of 2016, and when I left her house, I went to the airport and found myself drinking at a Chili's in the airport, discussing white wine in the middle of the afternoon, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm like, what am I doing, right? Like, she's going through cancer, she's handling all of this without drinking. Um, I... You know, it it really felt like, I mean, I know everybody has different bottoms, but it it was this moment of clarity that I was using alcohol and not dealing with things and not being strong for myself and for people around me. Um, and then mm-hmm. unbeknownst to me, that same week or two, um, my sister, I only have one sister, one sibling, um, she got pregnant. And I don't know what day it was. That would be way too much information. But Uh, (laughs) So in that same week, I quit drinking, and uh, I have these great, you know, real-life markers of my sobriety, and I'm like, you know, my best friend has, you know, is cancer-free, and I have a beautiful niece, and who I have been sober for her whole entire existence. Uh, Yes. So, yeah, I, I think I just really, really realized 
but it didn't work anymore. And I'm a doer and a planner in the rest of my life. And when things don't work out for me or when I want things to go a certain way, I make a plan. Um, and I work the plan, right? My dad used to tell me, make a list. Do the things on the list. <laughs> so, you know, I really made a list of what was working and what wasn't working, and it wasn't working. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard I tried, it wasn't working anymore for me or my marriage or my life. I, it, it contributed nothing. And I really had that realization that time because I had, you know, tried so hard to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's, I, I love that you came up, came to sobriety through like so much planning and like keeping track of how you were feeling about things and just like very deliberately and I came up at it at like from like a totally haphazard kind of like I'm gonna try shit and see what happens, what works. But okay, I guess this isn't working. And we got sober like around <laughs> the same time, like completely different methods. Exactly. And we're great friends. So I mean, it's just so funny how things are so different for different people. And so I know that um, you haven't mentioned it yet today in our conversation, but anxiety was a big thing for you. Um, when you were drinking, right? Can we, can you talk a little bit about that? What it was like when you were drinking? Sure. I mean, I was, I was anxious all the time. I didn't even realize how anxious I was until it went away, honestly. Um, and most people that knew me, including my husband, I think at some level had no idea. Like it, I mean, it was a physical feeling at some level, but a lot of it, you know, I kind of call it monkey brain and we all, I mean, a lot of people have it, right? right? But just mm-hmm. this constant, what about, what if, what's going to happen? I mean, related to drinking or not drinking. Um, I, you know, related to work, anything that happened, you know, I could spin and think about it and just work on, just work it, you know, over and over in my head. I was like, worst case scenario, girl. Um, <laughs> and it was always there. It was always like, kind of like, Running. I don't know if that, I think that is the word, like in my chest, yeah, right? Absolutely. I feel it. Absolutely. Um, and drinking stopped it, right? I mean, uh, you know, I work on, I live in California, but I work on East Coast time. Um, so really my afternoons were wide open, um, which, you know, I kind of marked that transition of the day with drinking. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would start five o'clock somewhere. I mean, <laughs> I, was, I was doing that literally. But it really, you know, kind of shut down that piece. <laughs> feeling and it shut down my brain and it slowed everything down but you know it just started right up again at three in the morning right it was like non-stop honestly when I was drinking I did not make the connection with the anxiety the next day I made the connection with alcohol stopping it at night but I did not make the connection with it causing it during the day and Mm -hmm. since I quit drinking um, I would say I think I put on my notes, right? Like I am like 99% anxiety free. I mean, I still worry about things and I'm concerned about things. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just cruising along, but that unnecessary, like for no reason, anxiety right. has completely gone right. away. That is so amazing. And I consider myself so fortunate because I know that there are people, right, that underlying their drinking is a true you know, medical, you know, anxiety issues, but I consider myself so fortunate that once I took alcohol away, and it didn't happen right away, you know, it took months, because then I was anxious yeah. about not drinking, right? Of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, what we about all this? That. What about that? Um, <laughs> but as I got further and further along, and then all of a sudden it's gone, and w- once I realized it was gone, I mean, that was, I mean, that was, I don't remember the exact moment, right? So it was a little bit at a time, but when I really acknowledged right. it and kind of sat with it, it was pretty, pretty fantastic. Yeah, because you wake up one day and you're like, I didn't, I haven't even noticed that it's not there. Like right. that, that it shifted a little bit at a time and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is really different. It's really different. And it, I mean, it has contributed, it's so great in so many parts of my life, right? I mean, work. I mean, I'm able to handle things. I mean, just everything. Like, I just don't shoot off and spin because that's what I did. It, yeah. it never, it never created anything worthwhile, right? Like, you never say, "Oh God, I'm so glad I worried about that because look what happened." Right? Exactly. No, no greatness is often has point. ever yeah. come from worrying. <laughs> that is such a good point. Yeah, you never feel good about having worried. You're never like <laughs> that. Really made a difference. Exactly. It's kind of like drinking, right? Like the next morning you never wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I worried last night. <laughs> that never <Yep>. happened. <laughs> no. 
Um, so I want to talk to you about, about, um, about the fact that like you have so much insight about what, about like things that happened when you were drinking and, you know, maybe not specific reasons that you drank, but like just for yourself and, and like, you know, it seems like you've gotten all of the benefits out of recovery, but you don't do a specific recovery program. And I think a lot of people are interested in that. Like, how do you, how have you had so much self growth without a recovery program? Have you read books? Have you gotten involved with other women? Like what's, what's your secret to that kind of my secret? Um, I, <laughs> what's your secret? My secret. I refer to it, you know, and I've heard, I didn't make this up. I've heard it other places, but it's like a kind of, I know people use toolbox, but I kind of think of it sometimes as like a quilt of sobriety, um, like a patchwork quilt. Um, yeah. I, I have put together, you know, a whole bunch of things that work for me. Um, I, you know, in the, the beginning, like three years ago, I mean, the amount of, of information and community and resources that are out there now, even just versus 2015 is unbelievable, right? Like I can't yeah. even imagine um, if I had had so much information back then. But in 2015, you know, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of websites. Um, I My first um, engagement with something to help me other than just me thinking about it was uh, Tired of Thinking About Drinking, which is Valerie mm-hmm. Robertson's website. And she had the 100-Day Challenge and Pen Pal program. And I signed up for that, and I don't even remember. I mean, it was very reasonable. I mean, I spent a ridiculous amount of money on wine, so I got pretty good spending <laughs> because um, I drank the good stuff because I kept it classy. Um, so oh, I yeah, girl. I'm spending money on, on things, right? I know I'm really fortunate to be in a situation where I can, you know, try out different things and layer things on. Uh, so I did that and really found somebody who – it's such a not no nonsense. You know, she kind of called me on my own BS when I would email her about stuff, and she was very matter of fact about it. And she hadn't really worked a program. You know, she was very open about it. And I read her book, and I was like, yeah. Um, and she was married and didn't have children, which is similar to me. So, you know, because a lot of like the mom blogs and things like that, I mean, uh, didn't necessarily apply to me. So she, I found. Sure. We really connected to her because she lived a life granted on the other side of the world, but similar to mine. So I connected with her. I did that. It took me, what, a year probably to make it through the 100 days. Um, and included in it is your, you know, your pen pal membership for a year. So you, she gets you to 100 days no matter what if you want to keep sticking with her. So I did that. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I found podcasts and things like that. And then I found in that same time period, I don't remember exactly what, I found the online group that you and I are both in. Um, mm-hmm. And that was a huge game changer for me, right? Because it was like opening the door to a, you know, the majority of the people on there are women. So to all of these women that were talking about the exact same things that I was feeling. So it really validated and, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, and you thought, yeah, me too, right? I don't want to, I hate using me too now. <laughs> I know, it's, it's, <laughs> what it it's is. different connotations but now. Yes, exactly. It's totally different connotations. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you just really realized, right? And I wasn't this, you know, delicate, unique person who was having this, you know, nobody understands me, nobody gets me, this isn't happening to anybody except for me. I mean, yeah, it's happening to right. women. And, you know, obviously a lot of my stuff is women, right? So it's happening to women all over the world in the exact same way. Um, so that really great. That was great. And then through that, um, I am by nature introverted and a little shy. So, you know, the internet was really great for me, but mm-hmm. I really realized that I probably needed to meet some people in real life, IRL. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I reached out to some local women um, on the Facebook group and met up with them and uh, and had lunch and did some different weekend activities. And that probably, for me, this time around was the biggest game changer. Um, meeting women, awesome women who are doing the same thing and um, has been wonderful. I mean, I can't even – well, you get it. I mean, you you know it's how you and I met. Um, right. And it makes, Cause you, it makes me – Because you checked in with me when you were in my city. 
Because you're right. like this and social then, person, even though you're an introvert. <laughs> I'm really not. It, it takes a lot for me to do it, to throw it out there. But, um, yeah, like once I broke the seal on it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And every single time, every connection, I mean, not all of them are the same. You know, just like with people in your regular life. But yeah, every every single meeting and every single person I have met, you know, has been fantastic. And then um, through, and I don't even remember exactly how I got connected into it, but I've also I'm part of She Recovers. Uh, she so, Recovers, yeah, yes, She Recovers. So they have an online community, but then they also do events. Um, and I have met, I've gone on a retreat with them, and then done some other events and met more wonderful women through them. So really, I mean. My toolbox, basically, probably podcasts um, and books, but now for me, um, and then therapy, this last time, you know, each time I did different things, and then the last time in November of 2016, I layered in therapy. Um, I had been to therapy throughout my whole life for different reasons, um, you know, dealing with when my dad died and when my parents got divorced and very specific situational events in my life had I, sure. had I gone to therapy, so I was really open to it. Um, and so I added in a therapist this time, and that that plus the connection with women, um, other sober women, has been just a game changer. I feel like now that it's something that I get to do, right? Like, it's awesome. It is awesome to be part of the yes. club um, instead of something oh, totally. like I had to do. Um, and I think that just switching my brain that way and my mindset on it has been um, has really been what has made this time feel like the right time and the time right yeah I love that it's so true it's like we're not deprived of anything we just we have like these new full lives all of a sudden that are is that came out of nowhere kind of right I mean my life now is so much more full um than it was before I mean drinking makes your life really small and kind of icky and you know really judgmental I feel like because you want to make sure you know as off the rails as you are, you know, you kind of focus on other people's shortcomings too to make sure, you know, kind of keeping score. Well, I'm not that bad. Um, yeah. But now, now I, you know, that whole thing is like flipped, right? Like you just, when you're around and surrounded by great people doing great things, then. Um, yeah, that's a good you know, point. A Cause I was trying away. to figure out, you said that, um, that you have that you are like way less judgmental with other people now and do you think it's the quality of people you hang out with is different like that you're spending more time with people who you feel like are doing bigger things that are not really worthy of judgment or do you feel like it's something inside you that's changed um i believe that it's something inside of me that's changed because yeah i don't i mean being judgmental is not like that a desirable trait for me, right? I mean, everybody's got a little bit of it in you, but I like to think that I'm a pretty kind person and being judgmental and kind don't really go together. Um, But Mm -hmm. I was super judgmental when I was drinking. You know, I just, you know, everybody, everything, like kind of sneery and just like, you know, things were happening to me and not to other people. You know, I just had this (laughs) very like, what about me um, kind of mentality. And it was totally the booze totally the booth and yeah um so I think now that I'm not judging myself as harshly I don't judge other people you know everybody I really believe that everybody no matter what is doing the best that they can with what they have right in that moment um absolutely so I think being able to look at that and being kinder to myself right I mean (laughs) you tend to judge other people for the things that upset you maybe about yourself not all the time but Mm -hmm. a lot of times yeah Mm -hmm. so I'm not nearly as upset with and myself I, now, so I don't have to be as upset with other people. And how did you make that switch in, in not being as upset with yourself and not kind of giving yourself a little bit more grace? Has that just um, been a natural pro- progression? or? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, like the anxiety, you know, I didn't have – I mean, I was really ashamed of how much I drank. You know, I knew before I said it out loud or before, you know, I I knew. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I I, I consider myself a fairly intelligent person, right? So it wasn't hard Mm -hmm. to know what was causing the problems or the disconnects that I was having in my life. And I was ashamed. I mean, I was really scared that people would find out because I, you know, from the outside, I mean, I have a great job. I have a great marriage. I threw really great parties, right? I mean, I did all the things. Mm-hmm. You know, people thought right. I totally had it together. And 
I hung out, you know, I mixed up my social groups and nobody really knew. And I did most of my best friend game by myself um, or you know, just at home. <laughs> you know, I was As we do. Yeah, out and about, right? I was still very concerned about what people thought about me. Um, sure. So I think so much of my shame and discomfort with myself was wrapped up in drinking. So as I did the work to stop drinking and going to therapy, um, a lot of that just kind of naturally worked itself out. I mean, I can obviously still be hard on myself, but not nearly um, how I was before, you know. Yeah. So you talked about how people saw you from, I'm sorry, you talked about how people saw you from the outside. Jacob, tell me about, um, when we, we talk about this and laugh about it all the time, but tell me about your Pinterest curse, like how things <laughs> used to be and how things are now, because I feel like this is related and it just cracks me up. Yeah, I mean, I was a, what did you text me the other day? I'm, I'm glad what, you're comfortable. Say that again. You texted oh, me you're mediocre, yeah. about being comfortable with being an underachiever. Um, yes, I, being mediocre. Yeah, I would be swapping around in mediocrity. I I did all the things to look like I had my act together, right? Like I would throw parties that had themes. I would, you know, make three-course dinners during the week for my husband, which, you know, basically was just so we could have three kinds of wines, right? This poor guy would come home <laughs> on a Wednesday night at like 5.15, but like a, a huge cheese plate and like wine already poured for him. He's like, whoa, Wednesday. We couldn't make this. Look what I did. <laughs> um, acknowledge and, my effort. <laughs> yeah, acknowledge my effort. Because either way, I'm going to drink. <laughs> so, um, and I never, like, we would have people over, and I never let people bring stuff because my whole thing was I invited you to my home, and if you bring something, it might not go with everything else that I have, and you might leave your bowl behind and the saran wrap. And, you know, it was just very worked up about that kind of stuff. Um, oh, I my God. I always bought you know, like super complicated, you know, all organic, non-GMO, you know, Himalayan salt sourced, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous <laughs> so that I could show how fine I was, right? Like somebody who has a problem with alcohol couldn't pull all of this together. But, you know, let's be honest, I didn't remember the second half of most of my beautiful famous parties or, you know, the dinners that I made. I never got to dessert. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, but it was my curse. I didn't, you know, I, I think about it. I mean, because we don't have children, I mean, that would have been a whole nother area where I could have just been crazy, right? I think about the birthday parties I could as well. <laughs> oh, dear um, God. Yeah. So now, I mean, now I'm much more casual. I don't inter- entertain. We don't have people over nearly as much because I can't get them to leave when I want them to. So yeah, we only have, we only have people over <laughs> that we really like. Um, and we have had a couple potlucks. It was still a theme. I had to give people a theme, and they brought potluck items that went with that. And I was good with that. I, I you know <laughs> it's funny. My husband was watching me. He's like, "It's okay, it's okay." Um, and then over Fourth of July, yeah, I went to Whole Foods and bought some stuff and put it in my bowl, brought it to a party. I love that so much. It makes me happy. That's when I texted you that I was proud of your mediocrity. <laughs> exactly. I don't think. Yeah, and nobody kicked you out of the party. Take a nap. <laughs> Yeah, you got to prioritize. Exactly. I can't do it all. And do you think that anyone has noticed that you're not bringing all the non-GMO organic stuff anymore? I mean, you still are if you're shopping at Whole Foods, let's be honest. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, I still, certain things I do. I'm never probably going to bring something. People would notice if I bought something totally out of the norm for me. Um, (laughs) No, I don't think people notice, and I don't think people care i or yeah. care is not the right word but I, I don't think you know i think people when they're hanging out with their friends they just want to hang out with their friends and yeah people right food, that's an added bonus um i also think i delivered it in a way i'm so much easier now in general i think at least i feel that way and other people have told me that way that i'm like lighter and easier so it isn't like i made you this potato salad right you better love it and then i would go and drink <laughs> Um, now I'm like, hey, here's some broccoli salad from Whole Foods. And just kind of cruise around, and I'm just easier in general. So I think people yeah. are like, wow, if we don't get the pink Himalayan salt potato salad, that's okay. Um, <laughs> it just fits in with the other stuff from the barbecue yeah. instead of being like the shining star. Exactly. And, you know, I don't need to – I mean – Right or wrong, right? I mean, I was trying to 
prove how okay I was and then not show other people up, but, you know, maybe a little bit. Like, oh, that's what you brought? Yeah. Um, and that's not nice. So, it's not nice. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, talk to me about honesty a little bit because uh, we talked about how you did, like, half-truths and stuff like that when you were drinking. Um, do you feel like that's changed your relationship with your husband? Because I know that definitely was a thing for me about, like, my drinking and stuff. Um, you weren't being honest about your drinking at the end for sure, right? I was definitely not being honest about my drinking. Um, we, as you know, I mentioned earlier, we didn't get married until we were, um, I was 38 when we got married. So I've been single for almost all of my 30s, um, doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he and I dated long distance for a long time before we got married. So I was not great at having somebody in my business at the time and yeah. a lot of it was because my business wasn't pretty right it wasn't it was right. too much wine and too much fast food to soak up the hangovers and you know all that kind of stuff so it was probably you know when we first got married I was not great at being a good partner you know I was very like this is mine and this is yours and yeah. including you know bank accounts receipts like, all kinds of stuff. And I wasn't doing sneaky things with money. I mean, I wasn't, you know, like, online shopping. I probably do that more now, right? Because I'm just like, whatever. I'm not spending money on wine. I'm going to spend money on wine. Yeah. Um, but I was very sneaky about how much I drank and, and what I ate. I, for as much as I love all organic, non-GMO, I love fast food. I love fast food. It's terrible. It's terrible. Um, my last car, the driver's window, the motor in the driver's window burned out before anything else in the car. And I was convinced it was because I went through so many times. So it was like this dirty secret that didn't go with the rest of like how I, you know, lived my life. So if my husband would go to work, I would pretend that I wasn't hungover. You know, he used to say, he's like, I do not know how you drink as much as you do and you're never hungover. And I, I've only admitted to him probably in the last six months. I was like, I was always hungover. I was always, always hungover. But I knew if I said I was hungover, because he's a smart, reasonable person that doesn't have an issue with alcohol, he would say, well, mm-hmm. don't drink as much. And that, right. That was, crazy. that was plain crazy talk. So <laughs> I just pretended like I wasn't hungover. And I could hold it together in the morning. You know, we only saw each other for a little bit in the morning. And then I would, especially once I started working from home, I would go and get fast food and eat it. And then I would hide it. and. And then, you know, I would drink in the afternoon and he would come home from work and he would say, hey, I'm going to have a beer. Do you want to have a glass of wine? And I would say, sure. And I would act like it was my first one. Um, and, you know, so it was stuff like that. It was just little, you know, there was the part of me that was like, I'm a grown up. I can, you know, I'm a grown ass woman. I can do what I want. You're not the boss of me. Right. Um, right. But it really, you know, and you probably know in, in your whole life, right? I mean, in your whole marriage, you can't just be that way. You can't be that way in one part of your life and not have it be that seep into all the other areas, right? Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, I was always worried, like, is he upset or is he going to remember or is he going to see that in the trash and then know that I really didn't have a spinach salad for lunch with grilled salmon, right? I mean, it's just this whole, like, this whole <laughs> other thing to maintain. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And um, it's not important, but it's not important. It was not important stuff. Because at the time, I probably could have been like, yeah, I ate that, or yeah, I drank that. And he'd be like, well, you do you, right? You're a grown-up. Because we do have kind of a – I mean, that's a lot of how our marriage, right? We came together when we were adults. So we both pretty much let the other person – I mean, not too self-destructive, but he never said to me, I think you drink too much, or I think you need to stop drinking. And I'm so thankful that he didn't, because that would have created a whole nother – another set of things but yeah so since then since I quit drinking it took a while you know I was still sneaky about like how many Justin's peanut butter cups I was eating during the day or when I first quit drinking I mean I slept and napped like a toddler like I would wake up with my face like all sweaty and just creases on it and stuff (laughs) you know he'd come home and be like what'd you do today oh I worked and then I got this and that because I mean I was terrified I was like oh my gosh what did I do to my body that's requiring this much recovery Um, oh god it's so true 
Yeah, but now, like, everything. In, in the occasional times I do eat fast food, which is not very often anymore, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I had that double cheeseburger. Yes. So. So it's been. You're so good at the. At, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm well, Go ahead. I was just going to say, you're so good at, um, well, at least from my perspective, at being kind to yourself. I know that you must beat yourself up sometimes, but I love that you, like, in general, you're, you, like, eat plant-based, but then you're like, I really need a hamburger, or if I'm at a Dodger game and I need to eat a Dodger dog, that's okay. Right. Like, that's so great. That's so great. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, when I see people, you know, on our online group and things and trying to manage, I mean, a lot of us that probably drink too much or control, have control issues in other parts of our lives. I mean, just from what I've seen, right? But, yeah, like, letting go of some of that stuff. And I feel like I controlled it so tightly when I was drinking because drinking was the one thing I wasn't doing a very good job of controlling. So, right, letting, getting me drinking has allowed me to kind of let, loosen up on that death grip I had on other things in my life. I mean, just across the board, right? I mean, just so many things. So Yes, <laughs> death grip. I... It's so funny because I am not, I, I think that you know this about me, but I'm not like a control freak. And so it wasn't like, I feel like I have a lot more control over anything in my life than I ever had. Like I I never even, I, I don't think I ever have been one of those people that people are like, wow, she's really got it all together. <laughs> people probably look at me and go, um, she does all right. Like, <laughs> you know, she shows up in yoga pants all the damn time, but you know. Um, so that means she's living the dream. That's what that means. <laughs> Exactly. But I just imagine that it was like really hard to go from, you know, trying to like hold on to everything to like letting go of some stuff. But it seems like it's just been a natural progression for you. It has been. And I think, I mean, I think I naturally have, I'm not creating chaos, right? So there's not as many things to control. Um, Right. You know, a lot of the things I had death grips on were things that I was making a mess of, right? Like I was, crazy about work because, you know, I was always like, God, did I screw that up or did I send that email or did that, you know, so yeah, I had to be crazy about that. But now I don't have to because I'm doing all the things, right? I don't have to worry about making a mess of things or even like our finances, right? I mean, I would constantly, you know, paying things late or being really sloppy about it. And then I was super like protective of it. I got it, right? I'm handling it. And you know, or even, you know, like my husband, right? Like I wanted him to be a certain way to make up for the fact that I was feeling like I was kind of a mess. So letting go or or fixing those things inside of me and then just the natural outcome of quitting drinking, you know, your life, I mean, some things, some things are always going to be out of your control, right? I mean, you can't do anything about yeah. it, but other like day-to-day things that I was making a mess of now are just naturally more in control. Um, or more mm-hmm. under control, and yeah. not because I'm. I love that. I don't know. I think you and I talked about it. Like somebody, and I can't remember who. It might have been Laura McGowan. Somebody had a post about squeezing the cat, right? Like if you hug a cat, I'm not a cat person, but if you like grab a cat, like a little kid, and they grab it and they squeeze it, as soon as they let go, that cat's gonna like take off and hide for like a week, right? Right. But if you just right. like, like, hey, cat, what's going on? Right. The next thing you know, the cat's like sitting next to you and. I mean, I just stopped, like, squeezing the cat, right, to stop. I, you were the first person that, um, who introduced me to that concept, and I love it so much. Because <laughs> you can, it's totally visual, right? Like, you can picture it. So, yes, it I happen. get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've seen it happen. Yes. When right, because I'm, I'm a Labrador a person, short. right? If you squeeze a Labrador, they will, like, climb into your lap, right? <laughs> yes, they <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so as far as your, like, you know, recovery program, we've talked about how you have just kind of gotten different tools from different places and stuff. What made you decide not to um, go to AA? Um, I, you know, we just emailed about this earlier today, and I hadn't come up with a good, I hadn't really thought about it that much. Um, I think, I don't, um, I don't want to use the word label. I don't use the term or label alcoholic for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it might be one of the things that prevented me from doing something about this sooner, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. This hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. Um, 
and I've gone to a few AA meetings. I actually have a friend here who told me she wanted to take me to a women's meeting, and I didn't know all the lingo at the time, so I just thought she wanted to take me to, like, some cool women's group that she was in, and it turned out to be a women's AA meeting, and I was, um, I felt a little, you know, all of a sudden was in this room of people, and, you know, I wasn't ready for it, and I wasn't, which, you know me well enough to know, like, I don't, like, not be prepared, you know, it's like, hey, yeah. Um, so I think that I kind of was taken aback by that and it wasn't a great experience. Um, so, and I needed, I travel a ton for work and I really shied away from something that I, for me, that I was going to have to do all the time and do in different places and find that. Um, so I, I really recognize though that what a lot of people that I knew took out of it was connection. Um, and connecting mm-hmm. with other people. And so I feel like I took what I heard, you know, were great parts of it and tried to recreate it other places. So I think with She Recovers and with the connection I found with other women and um, and I'm still I'm still pretty comfortable not using the term alcoholic. Um, yeah. I think my therapist, you know, has alcohol use disorder on my chart, which is fine. It was definitely a use disorder. Um, but... Yeah. And I think that's the clinical definition of it now. I I don't think they call it alcoholism anymore. I think they call it alcohol use disorder and it's like a spectrum instead of just like a you are or you aren't. Right. Which makes and so I much think, more sense. Yeah, and I think there's so many different ways to get to the point where you realize that drinking isn't working for you anymore, right? I mean you know, when people ask me why I quit drinking, you know, I say it's because it wasn't serving me well anymore. It wasn't, mm-hmm. right? It was like a bad boyfriend. It was just a shit show. And um, <laughs> and it wasn't getting better, you know. And sometimes it was great, you know, like a bad boyfriend, right? Sometimes it was fantastic, but you never knew how it was going to go. Um, oh, but yeah. my, you know, but I know that there's other people. I, yeah, there's different people on the spectrum everywhere. And I consider myself really fortunate to have gotten off of it sooner. Um, yeah, yeah. Bell uses the analogy about the the elevator only goes down, right? It only yeah. goes down, and you're not guaranteed that it's going to stop at every floor. It's not like, oh, I can go from 25, and oh, I'll get off at 20. It might go, like, slamming down to three before you even know what happened. Um, so I'm really, really grateful that I got off when I did. So That's a really good point. I started seeing it as, like, a one-way street, like, no matter what happens, it's only going to get worse. It's never going to get better. Never going to get better. I mean, never. No. So. And I think. And I believe that you said even more now. You know, twenty months later. I mean, this it's never. Yeah, and even the drinking that I thought I wanted to do, I don't. That doesn't even appeal to me anymore. Well, moderation is just hell. Right. But even like the you know, summer's hard, right? We see it happening in our group. I mean, summer is a hard time, right? It's all patios and sparkly things and mm-hmm. but even that drinking now when I watch it happen it isn't nearly as beautiful and romantic as I was carrying around speaking of patios and romanticizing the drink um there was a post that you did on our online group after a trip that you made to Italy um can you tell me about that post do you know which one I'm talking about oh yeah the the yeah I do know which one you're talking about um so we went to Italy and in October of 2016, which I was like 125 days into not drinking. And on the way to Italy, even on the plane, you know, I was convinced. I I had not intended to drink on that trip. I had been to Italy before. I've had all the wine. You know, we kind of joke in the group of ladies that I hang out with. I've had all the wine. I've had wine from Italy, from France, from everywhere. Um, so we went on this trip. I was ready. I was totally armed with all of my resources. I was going to do it. We got off the plane. We went on a food tour. And at the end of the food tour, they handed me a glass of Prosecco, and it was game on, right? I mean, (laughs) nothing terrible happened. Um, I drank. Really, my kind of vacation drinking or when I'm just with my husband is is pretty low-key. I mean, we've never had – I don't have any awful vacation stories or, you know, of – so when I'm with just him in a setting like that, I wasn't worried about going off the rails. Um, but I right. can see it. You can see it in the pictures. Like you can see how I looked on day one. And, you know, we were fortunate enough to be there for two weeks. And by the end of the trip, you know, I, I was bloated and I was irritated. And 
I was, you know, grumpy and I just wanted to go home and I was disappointed in myself. And um, like I said, nothing bad happened, but nothing great happened either, right? I mean, Italy, right? I know something so many people think of, like, what am I going to do if I go to Italy and I can't drink? Um, nothing, nothing awesome came from drinking in Italy. Um, all of the great time that we had would have happened without drinking, right? I mean, we went to some amazing places. We did some amazing tours. We had really great food. I really, looking back, none of the wine was spectacular. Um, and it could be because now you can't unknow what you know. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was I was disappointed with myself while I was drinking. But I had already started, and I didn't want to make the trip about that. Um, my husband hadn't been to Italy before, and I didn't want to make it about me or about my drinking or make it, you know, I'd already started and I was like, okay, I'll just get sure. through this trip. Um, and then when I came home, you know, I remember on the flight home, I was like, I'm not going to drink once I get home. And then I got home and I think I did in my post, right? Like that, you know, Wolfie, which is kind of the, yeah. like, the sneering guy, right? He's like the gondolier from Venice, right? He's like all gnarly and like, hey, well, maybe if you just drink Italian wine while you're home, you'll be fine. <laughs> and Right. I did a couple weeks of, you know, Italian wine and limoncello and themed dinners, you know. Um, I probably made pasta from scratch on a Tuesday. <laughs> As you do. And that ended, that ended with that crappy glass of Chardonnay at the airport in November. But, yeah, it didn't, it didn't bring anything to the trip. Another one of the great outcomes of me not drinking is we've saved a lot of money. And so because of that, we've been on a lot of really great trips in the last year and a half. And I keep track. And I now have been to more places sober, more countries sober than I have drinking. And um, wow. why, you know, I've, I've gone on a cruise. I've been to an all-inclusive. Um, I've, I've, done, I've done a lot of the things. And, again, I mean, I'm so fortunate. But alcohol doesn't add anything to it. If anything, it takes away, right? I mean, Again, my husband is not a big drinker, um, and, you know, we now, we get up early on trips, we do things, we go places, I'm not irritated, you know, I'm not running up $150 bar tabs at the hotel, you know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing any of that stuff, and I travel a lot for work, um, and I travel internationally for work, and it has been such a a release. I mean, and I'm I'm alone a lot when I'm traveling for work. I mean, sometimes I meet up with my work people, but you know, to be able to travel internationally and not have to worry, right? Like a drunk woman oh, God. in Germany in Dusseldorf by herself. I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster. And who, you know, my husband doesn't want to think that I'm out, you know, getting hammered, you know, when I'm that far away. Yeah, that's scary. So it's scary. It is scary Did stuff. You- did you get used to traveling, like, by doing what you do in life, which is planning, planning, planning? Like, did you just have, always have a plan? when, Like, in the beginning when you started traveling without alcohol, was that kind of scary, or did you have a plan? Um, I would say I had a plan. I mean, we we did trips at the beginning that I had never done before, right? Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't go to Mardi Gras in New Orleans, but we didn't do things that were um, really drinking-focused. So, yes. so we had a plan and, you know, we, I, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I mean, what, I have a plan for everything basically. I mean, I just, I mean, like, stuff down. I'm kind of ridiculous, <laughs> but it's worse. So no, what me. I was, I was thinking of like, um, how you made that, um, how you posted in the group about when you went to your second sober wedding, like you had a plan that you had made from your first sober wedding. Um, basically like you, um, had an outfit for every possible scenario. You brought all of your favorite things to the hotel, Mm -hmm. like just kind of to make yourself comfortable. Um, was that something that you kind of figured out by, you know, um, just trial and error from going to the first wedding or did you, had you already like made that plan of like, thinking about every possible contingency beforehand? Um, I had come up with that plan before the first wedding because I was really, I was pretty nervous about it. You know, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Um, so, yeah, I came up with that plan ahead of the first wedding. And travel is the same thing. You know, I, before I go somewhere, you know, I research because we, um, eating is a big part of our traveling. So, you know, we yeah. do a lot of research ahead of time to eat, at, at, you know, at the, the, 
hot spots and, and get to the right places. And, you know, I do a lot of research now on other things. I mean, I went to the Mindful Drinking Festival in London that happened to be going on there while I was there for a work trip. Um, so, so I do a lot of research to make sure that I have a plan because if I don't have a plan, I sometimes end up feeling a little scattered or I, um, especially if I'm by myself, I'll just stay in my hotel room. I will just, Oh yeah. You know, and it would be awful to have this opportunity. I mean, I would be so disappointed in myself if I had this opportunity with my job to go to all these amazing places. And all I could tell you about was, you know, the Hilton I stayed at. Um, so, so yeah, I'm a girl with a plan. You are, and I love it. <laughs> well, um, I think we have gotten through so much good stuff, and I so appreciate you being on the podcast. I have had fun talking through a bunch of stuff we've talked about before and some stuff we haven't. So, Kirsten, we have, um, we've gotten over some great material, and I so appreciate you being here again. Um, is there anything that you, you know, really want to close with that, um, that you think will give people some hope about sobriety? Well, thanks for having me. This has been great. Um, and I, you know, I try to stay away from kind of isms and slogans, but I really, one of the things that sticks with me all the time is that sobriety really, truly delivers, like, everything that drinking promised. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's so true. And, you know, it you and true. I, like, before and afters, I love before and afters of all kinds, drinking, weight loss, fitness, whatever. Um, yes. But, you know, we're as we get deeper and deeper into the after, it just gets better and better. And mm-hmm. I wish, I mean, I know when I was on day one or day 15 or day 20, you know, whatever, it's so hard to imagine that that is true, um, even when you see people doing it. But it really is, um, you know, other than marrying my husband, putting down that bottle of wine every night is the single best decision I have ever made. Oh, I um, love that. So yeah. true. Well, I love you, girl. Thanks again for being on, and um, I'll call you right after this. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Welcome back. Thanks again for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Kirsten. And if you are looking to build your own sober community, I highly recommend looking into She Recovers. I think that Kirsten mentioned it by name. Um, They do sober retreats. They do uh, sober... uh, conferences um, that they're doing they're doing annually at least last year and this year and um, they are starting to do sharing circles in various cities so look into it it's sherecovers.co is the website and if you would like information on the Facebook group that I have mentioned before uh, please feel free to email me my email address is soberinthesunshine at gmail.com until next time hang in there bye bye